Galatians chapter 2. What a God we serve. He, uh, I feel like the theme from Sunday school until now has been we often fail Him, but aren't you glad He's never failed us? You know, we often fall short. We often uh, know to do good and don't do it, which the Bible says is a sin. But aren't you glad He's right there? He loves us today, and I'm thankful for that. So Galatians chapter 2, we're going to look at, start at verse 11. We're going to talk about an argument this morning in the church. You know, things happen, right? Things happen. Who, what is the church? It's just filled with people that are saved, with Christians. And here's the thing. When we're saved, we're not instantly made perfect. I'll tell you the point we will be made perfect. It's that's when we're glorified in heaven. As a Christian, when he gives us a new body, when the, all this old flesh is gone, all these old thoughts are gone, everything else is gone, that, that's going to be one of the, yes, we get to worship Jesus, but I'm, wouldn't it be glad to worship Jesus without the flesh? Without your mind always wandering about other things and just focus on him. We're not perfect today, and neither was the early church. Galatians 2.11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dis, uh, dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. Uh, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest though thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the master of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself from me. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for all the sweet spirit we've already felt this morning, and you are worthy of all praise. And Lord, I pray at this time, as we uh, tackle this passage here this morning, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would teach us, help us to understand. Lord, help me to preach, and Lord, make it clear what you're saying in this passage. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. And Lord, if there's any loss today, I pray that today would be the day that they wouldn't put it off any longer. They'd come to know you for salvation. Lord, I ask that you'd revive us, help us, and in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So this, the setting of this is the church at Antioch. So this is the, 
Uh, you've got the church at Jerusalem. That's the main church, the mother church. And then the next biggest church is probably this one at Antioch that's full uh, of Gentiles. Now, all a Gentile is in the Bible is just not a Jew. So everyone other than a Jew, the Bible calls a Gentile. So in Acts chapter 11 uh, is when this church was planted. And verse 21 says, a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So that mother church sent, uh, when this church was planted, Jerusalem sent Barnabas to help them uh, for many years. Uh, and then Barnabas at one point goes and gets Paul after he was converted. Uh, and, and they together work there uh, in Antioch. And then Antioch is where Paul goes on his first missionary journey. And remember, it's Paul and Barnabas. Mark starts the journey, but he gives up, you know, uh, but that's a whole nother story. So after that trip, Paul is back at Antioch. So Paul has spent a lot of time at this church. Uh, he loves them. He spent a lot of time teaching and leading. Uh, and now the passage that we're talking about, a group uh, is coming from the Jerusalem church to the Antioch church. Okay, that's where we're at. But when Peter, now Peter's one of the ones from the Jerusalem church, but <clears throat> sorry, verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I, this is Paul speaking, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. So we've got a confrontation here. So we've got uh, a member. This is Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul. They're, they're in an argument right here. This is what this is the setting of this passage. And you think about it uh, today. We think of Paul as kind of the, the head apostle, but. Remember, Peter was first, right? Peter was called by the Lord in the beginning. Uh, he was the one on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was one of the ones. Uh, he was uh, one of the chief ones. Remember in Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit was come at Pentecost, who's the first one to preach? It was Peter. So really, Peter's kind of seen as one of the leaders, along with James, of the Jerusalem church. And here, they're coming to see Paul. And Paul's saying, hey, you're wrong. That's pretty bold because Paul's the young. Paul would be the, the one that's had the least time in all of this. He, he came to the Lord after Christ. Remember, he spent a lot of time persecuting Christians in the church. But Paul told him he's wrong. Let's see why. Verse 12. For before that certain came from James, he, this is Paul, or I'm sorry, this is Peter. Peter did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, the group from Jerusalem, uh, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So here is the problem. Down in Antioch, it's mostly Gentiles. They're not Jews. In fact, it'd be almost all Gentiles. And we talked about this the other day. The early church would come together once a week and they, they called this a love feast. And it basically what we would call a potluck today. Every week they'd come together. Uh, if you were rich, if you had more money, you would bring more food. Uh, if you had less money, you'd have less food. But everyone would bring enough so that way everybody ate. So even the poorest of the church would get at least one really good meal a week. And not only was it a meal, but they were fellowshipping, just like we do, right? We, we come together, we talk, we fellowship, we have a good time. Uh, and then they would also uh, share communion after this. But this love feast, they would come together. And, and here's what happened. Peter comes first. So Peter comes by himself to Antioch. Peter's a Jew. And um, they're come to this love feast, this potluck. Now Jews... Uh, they would not eat with Gentiles, 
right? We know that. Remember, they, they, when Jesus did that, remember the Pharisees said, look at him. He eats with sinners. That Jews wouldn't have done that. But now we're talking about saved people, right? We're talking about Christians. We're talking about the church. Now, what are they going to do? Either Peter could eat with the Gentiles or he could sit by himself. So verse 12 tells us what happens. For, for before that certain came from James, so before James and the other leadership, Peter did eat with the Gentiles. So he chose to eat with them. And again, as a Jew, that would have been wrong, but he's saved by Jesus Christ now. And so is the ones in the church. Everyone's saved. Galatians 3.28 in the next chapter, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. When it comes to the church, we don't have these distinctions anymore. You're either saved and you're in the church or you're not. That's the distinction right there. So the church, remember, we haven't replaced Israel or anything like that. But during this church age, while the church is in place, uh, all people that are saved, the ground is level at the cross. Amen. There's no picking sides. There's no, uh, you know, one culture versus another, uh, even though that's what this world loves to do. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So Peter starts eating with them. But now there's a problem. Right. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. So you see what happens now that the rest of the Jew, Jewish leadership from the church in Jerusalem come. Now, Peter doesn't want to eat with the Gentiles anymore. You see that now he's going to eat with the Jews by themselves and they're going to separate. Because he was fearing them. He was fearing the Jews. Basically, he's fearing what they would think about him for eating with the Gentiles. And this is what Paul's upset about. This is what he's confronting Peter about. He's saying, hey, uh, you sat with them until more Jews came to visit. And now because of fear or what we would call peer pressure, you're not willing to do it anymore. Now, think for a moment. If you're one of the members of the church in Antioch, you're a Gentile, you're not a Jew, and you're excited. You've got Paul here. He's been a blessing. You've got Peter come. He's been a blessing. He's been with the Lord. You can ask him questions. You know, tell us about the Lord. Tell us about walking on the water. Tell us about the Mount of Trade. He could have talked about all those things. What a blessing as he's there eating with them. Oh, but then the next time, the leadership from Jerusalem comes. Now Peter's over there. He doesn't want to sit with you anymore. How would that make you feel? Right. Make you feel like a second class person, right? And in fact, it might even make you doubt whether you're saved or not, right? If we're this church and there's that church, why aren't they dealing with us anymore? This is why Peter, or this is why Paul was so angry at Peter. Because of their actions, because of what they're doing. Uh, and, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, before this, you, were, you weren't doing this. You were, you were sitting with us. Verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So he said, this isn't just a seating arrangement problem. Right over the feast, it's a gospel problem. 
That's why he's calling it out to all of them. He didn't pull them aside. He said it out loud to everybody. He says, hey, Peter, you and I were born Jews, right? We, we tried to follow the law and everything else, but now we're saved by Jesus Christ and we don't follow the law anymore. Why are you making them that are Gentiles follow a law that you're not following anymore? That's the question he's asking. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to force these Gentiles to live under the law? Like, remember, the law had different dietary restrictions, you know, different things uh, that they had to do, different ways they had to dress, all kinds of things like that. And he's saying, hey, we're not doing this anymore. Why are you putting that on them? Because he said, you're not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. He said, this is a gospel issue. If you're preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, and it's by, by faith only, which we'll, deal with, we'll dig into in a minute, if you're treating them a certain way because they're not following something else, you see what you're doing? Your actions are speaking louder than your message. That's what he's saying. You're telling the Gentiles, unless you live like a Jew, you can't be saved. And this is why Paul is calling them, he's calling them hypocrites. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look at what you're doing. Verse 16, this is where he gets to. And not just answering the seating arrangement question, but look at this. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So now that word justified is in there three times, so we gotta make sure we know what this means. And what this is a legal term that says it is declaring, like a court declaring someone to be innocent, justified, innocent. That's what he's saying. It, and so if if a, so if you if you switch the word and just say innocent, knowing that a man is not innocent by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, that's what he's saying, right? Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that might be, we might be innocent by the faith of Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be innocent. That's what he's saying right there. And why is he saying that? Because Romans 3.23, this is the gospel that they've all been preaching at, at Jerusalem and at Antioch. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are guilty in the eyes of the Lord. We've all sinned, right? All of us have. You know, if you, here's the problem. First uh, John, uh, what's it, 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Why can the Bible so confidently say that everybody has sinned? Because in order to follow everything, you would have had to do it from birth until the time you're done with this life. And never go against God. Never a bad thought. Never a lie. Nothing. That's impossible. Even your tongue. It's impossible. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. But once you realize that everyone's a sinner, nobody's been perfect. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the payday for sin. And I'm glad the verse doesn't end there. But the gift of God, 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It was impossible for me and you to live a sinless life, but aren't you glad Jesus Christ came to this life and he lived a sinless life? Didn't even say anything that would be sinful. He did exactly what God the Father's will was and he was innocent, died in our place, the guilty, he paid for our sins. That's what he did so that we could be forgiven. God is not justifying us because he's excusing our sin. He's justifying us. He's declaring us innocent because somebody paid the price for our sin. The wages of sin is death and Jesus died even though he never sinned. He did what none of us could. I couldn't die in your place. I'd have to die in my own place. But aren't you glad Jesus died for us? That's how our sins are forgiven. But he didn't, he didn't stay dead, praise God. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And that's why Romans 10, 9. So how do you get forgiven? Uh, your sins forgiven by Jesus Christ that everybody has. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you believe that Jesus was sinless, you believe uh, that he died for the sins of the world and you'll admit you're a sinner and, and be ready to turn from your life of sin. All you have to do is pray to him and confess it. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And believe that by what he did on the cross so long ago, dying for your sin and raising from the dead, that he will save you because that's what the verse says. Thou shalt be saved. And here's the thing, Paul is withstanding Peter and the Jews. He's going against them and he's saying, hey, you're adding to this verse by your actions. It doesn't say uh, if thou, uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead and keep the law, thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say that. It's not in there. And he's telling them, hey, you're changing the very gospel by your actions. And if we preach the same gospel message, why are we treating Christians differently? That's what he's saying. We're not declared innocent by following the law because we can't follow the law. We're not justified. Remember, the Jews had almost 1,500 years of trying to follow the law, and they never could. Never could. In fact, as best as they could do is the same as the Pharisees. By the time Jesus comes on the scene, they would follow the rules they could keep that were convenient, that they liked, and they would abandon the ones they didn't like. That's not following the law. That's picking and choosing. God never lets us do that. And Jesus called them hypocrites and had harsh words for them. Verse 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we find we ourselves are also found sinners as therefore Christ, the minister of sin, God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Preston already told us, he said earlier uh, this morning, he said the law is a schoolmaster. The law points out our need for a savior. We wouldn't know that we sinned against God if the Bible didn't tell us. But here's the thing. If you're saved, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ to save you of your sins, and then you go back to trying to keep the law again, you've turned yourself back into a sinner. That's what Paul's saying. 
look what you've done. You're trying to get to God a different way. You're trying to get to heaven again on your own outside of Jesus. And this is what we see a lot of times, don't we? The, today, we don't have the love feasts. We have a potluck every once in a while, but we don't do this weekly like they did. So you're thinking, well, how do we, we don't have the same Jew and Gentile controversy that they did in this time. But here's the thing. If we were to preach and tell people that Jesus saves and then add a whole bunch of rules on top of it, we're doing the exact same thing. If we treat somebody that's unsaved, that doesn't follow certain rules, that's a problem. Paul would withstand us too. We are justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. You know, I had this happen when I was younger. We were visiting a church. Um, holiness, I don't remember the exact name, but it doesn't matter. But we got there, and I had been saved for, I don't know, probably six, seven years by this point. And we got in there, and it was one where you look around, and instantly you could tell, I don't look like everybody that's here. Everyone has suits and ties, and I'm a teenager, and I did not. Right? Our whole family. None of, we weren't dressed like they were. And so instantly you already feel out of place. But then a guy at the end of our pew stood up during the testimony time and basically was looking at us and because we weren't dressed right was saying we're unsaved. Basically, without, basically is what he said. So then in my mind as a teenager I'm thinking, now wait a second. I know I'm saved. Yeah. I know I'm saved. Yeah. I asked Jesus Christ into my heart at nine years old. I knew I was a sinner. I admitted that to him. I knew I was headed to hell. And I asked God in our living room and actually to save my soul, and he did. Amen. Why is this guy saying because I'm wearing the wrong clothes that I'm not saved? If Paul were alive, he would have stood up to that man and said, sit down. We're not saved by dress. Glad this is going over the internet. Oops. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. You can't. Here's the funny part that's not funny. Churches like that, if I could speak to you for a second, you're probably not watching. Don't use the words of Paul in other places that say you got to act a certain way and dress a certain way and then ignore Paul telling you not to treat people differently. Amen? Ooh, ouch. Oops. Anyway. There's the, there's the fight right there. That's it. That's the fight. Because if you add anything to the gospel, it ruins the gospel. It ruins Jesus Christ saving your soul and putting your faith in him. It ruins all of it. There's different groups. Have you ever seen the groups that meet on Saturday? Call themselves Christians, but say, oh, we're only meeting on Saturday. And they have these other restrictions or we, we don't eat pork and everything else. It's the same thing. Repackaged, brought back today. Right? Oh yeah, we believe in Jesus Christ, but if you have pepperoni on your pizza, you're not going to heaven. It's ridiculous. But it's sad. It's sad because you're missing the whole thing. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's sad, the things that are going on. But here's the same now, that's one extreme, the legalism. Now, here's the other extreme, 
anything goes, right? Right? Anything goes. If we're saved by faith and just do it if we don't have rules and everything else, no. No. Again, just like Sunday school, you got to stay away from the extremes when it comes to God most of the time. What's verse 19 say? Here's the application for us today. For, the, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Amen. What's it say after that? Verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Right? When you're saved, the old life is gone. That including if you were a Jew, right? The old life is gone. That's what he's saying. The old following the law, but not really following it is gone. The old trying to be a pretty good person to work your way to heaven. All those things are gone and crucified with Christ. If you got saved by Jesus Christ, it's because of his crucifixion, right? That's what he's saying. And we died out to that. Nevertheless, I live. Aren't you glad uh, uh, he rose? Just like he rose from the dead. When we gave ourselves to Christ, the old man is gone. And he gave us a new life, a new heart, a new start. Everything made new, the Bible says. Right? But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. Here's the big part. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We don't grow closer to God by following rules. It doesn't work. I've seen it over and over again. What it does is makes you proud. Because I'm a rule follower and you're not. What did the two in the temple that one day? The publican, right? The one, the one Pharisee saying, oh, thank God I'm not like this publican. He didn't leave justified that day. It was the publican that said, Lord, I'm just a sinner. Here's the thing. The same faith you put in Jesus Christ to save you is the same faith that will draw you closer to him. That's why I'm not setting rules. Now, we're not going to have chaos. Right. And we're not going to be crazy. And we're not going to do things out of line. But faith needs to guide us. Because the danger with rules are that you follow the rules and then you think you're close to God and you've made it. Now they may not say that, but by their actions you see it. They've made it and we've not. Because we're not as legalistic. And then you see the churches competing of who can do more rules. But then on the flip side, we're not going to turn into chaos and let everything go. This is still a church. We still follow the Bible. We're still led by Jesus Christ. We're still called to be righteous. Amen? But I think we can do that without rules. I think we can do that by being led by Jesus Christ and his word. Because a lot of the rules, you won't even find them in the Bible. If you're saved today, what are you more focused on? Are you more focused on what you look like, how you got dressed today? Or are you more focused on your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's what it boils down to. Paul, it was just some, or Peter, it was some peer pressure. That's what it was. Peer pressure both ways. Remember, Paul battled with this before he was put in charge of the, from Acts 2, before the Holy Spirit came, he struggled with this a lot. Right? Remember, Jesus is on trial, and he's following afar off. 
peer pressure. He just fell back into it again. But aren't you glad Jesus didn't abandon them and say you're done? Just like he doesn't abandon us when we fall into the old habits, right? Even though he should have known better. But we should have known better. Aren't you glad we're slowly getting towards where God wants us to be? But here's the thing. Somebody comes in this church. I've said it before. And they're wearing a baseball cap. And sure, you could say it's not appropriate and everything else, and I agree, but I'd rather them listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The ball cap will take care of itself. What about the soul? Amen. Amen. I'll never forget. Many, many years ago, a young man came in. He was scolded by somebody, and I've never seen him again. What did we do by that? This is why Paul's getting in Peter's face and saying, hey, don't be a hypocrite. We're not following the law anymore. We're serving Jesus Christ. We're all together in this. Amen. Amen. We're all together in this. Then it makes me wonder. Maybe you're not following rules, but maybe you're just checking boxes. I do this. I do that. I do that. Therefore, I'm a good Christian. I'm close to God. Is that you today? That's not what the Lord wants either. He wants a relationship. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't go at the end of the day and have a checklist with Brooke and say, well, I told her she looked pretty today and I, I kissed her today and I, I checked up on her while she was at work today. I don't go through a checklist like that. That's not love. Why do we try to do that with Jesus? It's the same thing. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.